If you've been listening here for a while, you know that I completely changed the way I go about this show when lockdowns started. I used to record in a studio. Now I record from home. I used to release straight Q&As. Now the show is narrative and involves lots of editing. Now that I have the hang of it all, I would not change a thing. That said, the learning curve has been steep. I am thrilled to share that one of my favorite finds through this process, one that can save you time and headaches, is sponsoring this episode. It's called Zencaster, and I love it. I switched from Zoom to Zencaster for recording my interviews, and it has made such a difference in sound quality. Check it out at the discount link in the show notes or head to zencaster.com pricing and enter the code GIRLBONERRADIO to save 30% on your first three months. What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. You know, all these things he's done that I'm like, oh, I'd like to try that. But now I was in a very kind of safe space to do so. And he just stopped. Like he just stopped wanting to have sex. And I didn't know how to talk about it. Like I didn't know how to bring it up. Even though I talked to women about how to bring it up to their partners, I didn't take my own advice. I really screwed it up. Long before Heather Bartos became Dr. Heather Bartos, an OBGYN, she had lots of questions about sex. She came from a generation in which many women aimed to be the, quote, perfect housewife, she said, her mother included, and sex was reserved for man and wife. And so I had a lot of questions growing up. We didn't have the internet back then. So I remember digging through, I found my dad's Playboy stash when I was about eight or nine. And this was the early 80s and boobs were everything that like this was the decade of the boobs. And I just was entranced by all these boobs. I mean, I couldn't have cared less about what was going on on the other half, which is ironic because I'm a gynecologist. But I was like, I must have these. This is every boobs were everything. He even had a, a boob toothbrush that was like a gag gift. And there were these hard, like plastic boobs, and the like bristles were like the nipples. I must remember sitting going, "What is this for?" Like I just didn't get it. And um, so, yeah, my first introduction to sex was really through Playboy. <laughs> How did that impact? Because I've heard different things about when people start developing breasts um, and noticing changes. Were you excited then? Where you were like, "I I love having boobs." You said you were hoping to have them. Did that enthusiasm stick around? You know what? It did not. I remember going bra shopping, you know, that first training bra that your mom, you know, horrifyingly takes you to go, you know, do at the store. And I really thought a bra was going to make them flat again. I was really early when I developed, I was like in fifth grade. And I was like, what do you mean I still have breasts? And she's like, yeah, that's how that works. And I said, but I want them to be gone now. Like I want them to be flat again. And 
it was a disappointment. Not until later did I appreciate boobs, like my boobs. And now, of course, you know, boobs just aren't as big a deal as they were back then. So like, you know, and I grew up in Texas where boobs were everything. That's where the breast implant was created, you know, down in Houston. So I thought, this is it. But then I didn't want them. I didn't want to get any secondary sexual characteristics. So I was really disappointed when I developed. It's so interesting how something becomes sexualized and then that's just what we all are. This is what's sexy. Like, it's just, it could be anything. I mean, it could be really giant ears and people start getting ear implants, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, now it's all about butts, right? Like now it's all butts. Everyone wants butts, you know? And I'm like, now great. I don't have a butt and I have boobs. So now I'm just like two decades behind what was hot. (laughs) Questions around sex did not end up leading Heather into gynecology. In fact, as you know, if you've listened here for some time or perhaps from your own experience, Gynecologists don't often learn much about sex and sexuality in their training. Dr. Bartos just wanted to work with women. I thought women were awesome. Like, I loved dealing with women. And I was like, women are where it's at. Like, I just like dealing with women from like birth to like death. And so I just thought, I just want to work with women. Like, that was really where it started. Then, about 10 years ago, when she had already been in practice for a while, she started to notice that her patients were bringing up sexual issues. So that's when I started doing all this research on sexual health. There's very few gynecologists out there that really kind of focus on the mental and the physiological aspect of sexual health. There's a lot of pelvic pain specialists and there's a lot of sex therapists, but I really wanted to kind of combine all of it together. I kind of was like, I don't know, I'm not really a pioneer, but I was kind of actually out there by myself for a while thinking, what am I? Am I a sexual gynecologist? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> you know, like what, what was, I was just a normal gynecologist, just like to talk about sex. She also noticed that many patients who asked about sex had received some pretty horrible advice from other gynecologists. And it wasn't just male gynecologists. That's what I would have thought wrongly. It was a lot of female gynecologists. And again, one, it's lack of training. And two, I think it's a, it's their own sexual issues, you know, are a part of that too. I had so many women that told me, oh, just, they told me just to fake it till I made it. And I'm like, eh, that's not a good answer. I mean, that's just not a good answer. And so now it's like my whole thing. I just want to like deal with sexual health issues all day because there's just a need for it. Heather now speaks openly about her own sexual challenges, too. She said that people often have this impression that because she's a doctor who specializes in sexuality, that her own sex life must be perpetually perfect, which is not the case. In fact, at one point, she realized that her relationship had become sexless. By then, she had been married for about 10 years, and she and her husband had had two kids. And I had my kids late because I was in training. So I was 41 with my second kid and I was in a crazy office situation. You know, we were trying to kind of keep the sex going. And my husband had had, he's 10 years older, had had a very prolific 80s style sex life. I mean, he was still living the good old days. And so I thought this is great because he's going to be able to like just you know, all these things he's done that I'm like, oh, I'd like to try that. But now I was in a very kind of safe space to do so. And he just stopped. Like he just stopped wanting to have sex. It wasn't me. I was still very much interested. And I was like, hey, you know, like, 
let's go for it. And what I noticed was it, it didn't, it didn't just hit me at one time that we weren't having sex. It was, you know how like time just kind of goes by and you go, it's been, oh my gosh, it's been like months since we've had sex. And that's happens when you have kids and dog, you know, all those, those stuff. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't right. And I didn't know how to talk about it. Like I didn't know how to bring it up. Even though I talked to women about how to bring it up to their partners, I didn't take my own advice. I really screwed it up. I was over 40 and I thought this is it. Like he thinks I'm fat or he thinks I'm old or, you know, even though he was 10 years older, I thought, I mean, he doesn't find me attractive. That or he was having an affair or he was gay. I just had to turn my husband was now gay and I was going to be one of those women like Grace and Frankie where her husband is now, ex-husband's now gay. And I was like, this is, these are the three possible reasons. I never entertained any other options. So when I, when I finally approached it again and my feelings were getting hurt, but I also had some moxie behind it now because now I was just pissed. (laughs) And that's not a good combination. Desperation and pissedness is not a good combo. And so I said something, I sex shamed him. I said something I shouldn't have. I basically said, did you wear out your dick in the eighties? Like doing it with everybody else. And now you can't give it to me. Is that what happened? Oh man, that shut things down. I mean, it triggered him. It was really a deep wound for him. I was wounded. I thought wounding him was going to make it better. It did not. And we didn't have sex for two years to the point where I thought, okay, I guess I'm going to have to get divorced. Like, I don't know how this works. Like no one had ever said what to do when your marriage becomes sexless. Some people are happy in sexless relationships, whether they started out that way or not. And that's completely valid. Others, including many women Dr. Bartos has worked with, endure sexlessness silently, all the while feeling dissatisfied or downright miserable. And there's a lot of women that were not taught on how to voice what we're wanting. So we would just live it in silence. And they just go, that's okay. And I'm like, that's not okay. That is not okay. Why are we accepting this as that's okay? Because as women, we have higher sex drives than men biologically. But we've been suppressed for generations. We've been suppressed. You know, you should be a good girl. You should be chased. You should wait till you're married. I mean, the whole gambit. Once Heather could not stay silent about it, Blurting out that hurtful comment once her feelings boiled to the top, she felt equally lost about what to do next. I didn't really know what to do with all this. I know I had pissed him off. I know he was hurt. I know we were basically just just screaming at each other all the time. And we went to a marital counselor because we couldn't even find a sex therapist. And I don't think he would have gone if I could have found one because the bigger issue was that I had I had hurt him and that I was hurt. And so we had to work through a bunch of little traumas. You know, I did not know that he had been molested as a child. I didn't know that. He had never told me. Ten years together, he had never mentioned, I didn't know. Or I might not have said that. You know, I mean, I wasn't trying to mortally wound him. It sounded like your your comment came from pain as well. Like, oh, you used to have this vibrant sex life and now you don't want me I could imagine blurting something like that out because I was so wounded and feeling less than. It's so interesting how our our pain in relationships, like our old wounds, they trigger each other. 
They do. They do. They and they almost they almost trigger each other more, right? Because like you're in love with this person and you're like, I know the right spot to get to, you know, you know, the, the, the right part to stab them in, you know, and then of course, did that make our sex life better? No. I mean, literally he just completely, you know, tuned out, tuned off. Finally, Heather decided that she had to do something. She didn't want to file for divorce, especially not while raising their two young children. And so I thought, what, what can I do here? Like, what am I going to do? Okay, what would I tell somebody to do? That's really where I had to go. I had to think of myself as a third person. And what I finally decided was, okay, let's say this is a sexless marriage. Let's say it is. Is it going to derail you from feeling like a woman in her 40s who's awesome and who's feeling sexy? There's a great book that I love. It takes one to tango. And I read that book and I thought, you know what? If I can change one thing, I'm going to change myself. She realized she had been totally relying on his approval in order to feel like a sexual being or to feel sexy. I realized I didn't need that anymore. If I was going to feel sexy, I no longer walked out and said, how does this look? Does this look good? So I was like, you know what? I don't need that. Like, I'm just going to go out there and say, I look good. And I stopped asking. And you know what? The compliments started coming on their own because I was walking through like I owned the place. And these little things started to kind of just build back my confidence that I still had something. I still had something. And if I wasn't going to have a great sexful marriage, I was going to feel sexful myself. And it wasn't just about masturbating and buying toys. I mean, it was about that too. But I was going to go out feeling sexy show my daughter that I don't need a man to validate my sexuality. And things kind of started to just shift with time. It wasn't fast. There wasn't a magic pill. But after a while, he started to just kind of notice. I just stopped chasing him around the room. If we had a conversation, I walked out. Because there's this theory, right, in physics that, you know, two people are there. And if one walks in, the other one naturally wants to walk out of the circle. But if I stepped out, he naturally wanted to step in. I was the girl that would chase him into the next room, still fighting with him. I would go to the laundry room, to the tool shed. I was still having the argument. And he was like trying to run away from me. And I was that girl. I was like, I'm not done talking to you yet. And he's like, clearly he was done. So I started to just kind of read the room too. And I was like, okay, I just want to talk. I just want to talk. Fine. I don't need that right now. One thing I'm really hearing from you that I love so much is that it's such a great illustration of sexuality being so much more than sex. Like it is that that self-empowered feeling and connection with the world and how we feel moving through a room and, and all of that. Did that challenge what you thought about sex throughout your life? You know, it it did. And it really kind of started to work on how I started talking to women because I have a lot of women that don't have partners or, you know, they were widowed and I wanted them to still feel sexy. I thought we could feel sexy at any age. And I really work with my patients on finding women in older age groups that they think are sexy. You know, one of my favorite women I like to talk about that I think is sexy as hell is Angela Lansbury, who is 94 or 95. and was singing her ass off and Mary Poppins returns at that age. 
and just, I mean, just working it. And I thought that is sexy. Or, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I thought was so brilliantly smart, that's sexy. And I started looking for traits in other women, all kinds of women, different sizes, different ethnicities, and what I liked, what I found attractive about them. And I pulled it into like my sexy sphere. And I thought, that's what I want to be. And so I tell women, sexy is not intercourse. It's not at all. You can have a very sexy life with no penis around. <laughs> but you have to just get those. What What is it about other people that you love, the other women, and bring it into you and start to exude it? Gradually, Heather and her husband turned toward each other, sexually and with their communication. And they've learned to prioritize intimate time together, no matter how zany their lives get. Not doing so is the most common sex-related challenge she hears about from folks in her office. One of the biggest ones I hear a lot, and it's actually from all ages, it really surprised me because I really thought it'd be from my 40-something plus women, is we don't have time. We're busy. Trust me, I get busy. I deliver babies all night. Like, I get busy. I say, you know what? I said, that's not an excuse for us. Sexual inertia is not an excuse. If we don't work it, if we don't put it out there, if it's not an effort, just like working out or drinking water or whatever we want to do, if it's not on the table as a reminder to feel this way, it's really easy to just let it go. And I tell these women, I'm like, well, okay, well, when you're ready to put it on the table, we'll talk some more. And that shocks them because I think they think there's a magic pill. I'm like, I can't take away the busyness. That's 2021. That's just life. But I can tell you how to work around the busyness. But I think a lot of us use the busyness as an excuse to not have to put forth the effort. Just like Heather, many of her patients have had to face old wounds and gaps in education if they want to create the sex lives they desire. The timing is important, though, and not everyone is ready for those efforts. You know, it's funny. I will have women of all ages come see me for a sexual health consult. And I will tell them, like, this is not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have to unpack all of your stuff from starting when you were a little baby all the way through. And I would say half of them never come back because they don't want to do the work. And I'm like, that's fine. Just, it's not time for you to do the work. When you're ready to do the emotional work, possibly the spiritual, religious work, if that's something for them, the physical work, the whole thing, there is no magic pill. Because if there was, I would give it to everybody. There's no judgment. It's just you're not ready, baby. You're not ready. So remember Zencaster, the podcasting platform I mentioned earlier? Here are a few more awesome things about it. Studio quality, without having to go to or pay for a studio. Local recording, which means that even if the internet goes out, you won't miss a beat. And HD video recording. If you want to share visual excerpts on Instagram or you host a video podcast, trust me, you want this. Learn more at zencaster.com pricing. And use the promo code GIRLBONERRADIO to save 30% on your first three months. Heather pointed out that so many factors can impact sexual desire, regardless of our gender. 
and that contrary to common myth, penis havers too experience hormonal changes, changes with age, stress, exhaustion, all of which can cause a drop in desire. Skimping on self-care, especially your basic needs, also fuels those challenges. One thing I hear from people is they're concerned about this quote-unquote sex problem. They're barely sleeping or they're skipping lunch. The focus goes there oftentimes because it affects a partner. For me, I personally find that like when I fill my own cup, the adage is pretty true. How often do you see that being a challenge? Oh, that's huge. I mean, you hit that right on the head. You got to fix your own shit first. I mean, you got to take care of yourself first. And I always loved Dr. Andrew Weil. You know, he always used to talk about, you know, women as women, we're kind of the heart of the home for lack of a, it's kind of a little misogynistic, but I dig it. I dig the reference. And that the heart actually pumps blood to itself first, right out of the lungs. It doesn't get the last bit of oxygen. It gets the, the freshest blood goes to the heart. That is important because then the heart has to function the whole rest of the body. It has to do it for everything else. So by taking the first blood, it's not selfish. It's actually self-full because now the heart can help every other organ in the body. We have to take care of ourselves first, not because it's selfish, but because you're actually going to have stronger, more vibrant life to give everybody else around you. I see the value there and the misogyny. How about this tweak on that metaphor? What if we think of ourselves as the heart of our own lives so that everyone around us can benefit along with us? Dr. Heather Bartos and her husband are a good example. Once they were ready to do the work they needed to do in their own lives and with each other, virtually everything improved. The marriage was no longer sexless, and they grew individually and as a couple. That's not to say, of course, that everything is perpetually easy. What I really noticed was when we finally kind of gradually kind of came out of this, this sexless spell, once we kind of both, I think with some time, forgave each other's wounds. I mean, that was a big thing. We had to kind of forgive each other if we were going to love each other. And it just, it had to be done. No matter what we had said, it, it, we had to forgive ourselves for saying it and also each other for feeling that way. And once we got out of that, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, we still go through spells like COVID. We weren't like, woohoo, let's just party all the time in bed. We went through some sexless spells again, but now we know how to navigate those better. We actually can say, oh, looks like we're kind of going through a spell now. We really got to make this a priority. So let's, you know, let's plan something. Because we navigated it once, it's almost like because we navigated as a ship going through like the English Channel, we could do it again with more ease, with less pain and more honest, vulnerable communication. You know, I'm, I'm feeling neglected. I'm feeling, I'm feeling hurt that you're not interested. And now it's more like I am interested. I just, I'm tired. I'm this. Okay, then let's make a plan. And so we kind of do this kind of circle back kind of thing that therapists love to talk about, about following back up and not letting it simmer to the point where it's about to explode. Learn more about Dr. Heather Bartos and her work at heatherbartosmd.com and check out her podcast, 
the me spot. She said it's basically the same sex talks she gives in the office. To learn more about factors that can interfere with girl boners, check out my book, Girl Boner, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment. And don't forget to check out Zencaster for your podcasting needs, using the promo code GIRLBONERRADIO to save on your first three months. If you do, I want to hear what you think about it. Learn more at the discount link in the show notes. To support the show and get fun extras, join my community at patreon.com slash girlboner. You can also support the show with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and by letting your friends know about it. Thank you so much for listening.